Hello, it is Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. Great show, good conversation. Can't thank you enough for joining us. Yeah, it was a really fun show today. Hey, we are. Getting into the off-season, getting mm-hmm. into some stories, some rumors, some great conversations, some deep conversations with people. We can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. If you listened yesterday and said, hey, great show, today probably not going to be as good, but we promise until football is back, we will leave it all out here on the field. That's right. Every time. We'll leave it all out here on the microphones. Mm-hmm. We will go to bed exhausted at night knowing that we gave every single ounce of energy and entertainment we could possibly in today's microphones. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And we, I want to let you know, the fact that you listen, we do not take for granted. We appreciate you so much for rocking with us. And let's have a damn show today, shall we? Yeah, sounds good. If you enjoy the show, by the end of it, be a friend, tell a friend, a little guerrilla marketing out there. If you don't like it, you're exactly like it never happened. Let's get to it. Uh, we have to lead off the show, obviously, uh, to commemorate a man who passed away, who had given his life, a lot of his life, to football. Uh, never liked doing this. Hope to never have to do this again. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that's probably... Not going to be how this whole thing goes. Rest in peace to head coach Marty Schottenheimer. Thank you for your commitment and dedication to the sport of football. There are electric stories coming out about Marty Schottenheimer right now from everybody, from people that covered the teams that he coached as local writers, to people that maybe played for him, to people that, I mean, it is, there's a lot of stories coming out about this man. Rest in peace, Marty. Um, I never met the man, but I did meet his son. Son, super cool dude, who is now part of a larger story that's potentially popping off in Seattle, which we'll dive into. But rest in peace, Coach. Job well done. Job well done. Thank you, Coach. Job well done, Coach. Thank you, Coach. does feel like we're going to have to do that more often. Yeah, unfortunately. I hope not. hope to never have to do that again. I agree. Amen. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Truly. It's a good way of thinking about it. What if nobody ever died again? That'd be wild. Planet would be filled to the overpopulation. Brim. Yeah, it would be bad news for the climate. Something uh, would be cheaper. You're talking about carbon footprints yeah, potentially. A, there's just not exactly. enough food. So we're probably gonna have to do it again then, just so yeah. the sake of everybody else. Or find another planet. It's that of the trees. Well, allegedly starships are coming out, so maybe we do go to Mars. But anyways, rest in peace. Coach Marty Schottenheimer, um, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's move forward here in the sports world. A lot of storylines to be covering here, okay? Carson Wentz, the Philadelphia Eagles are allegedly asking for too much, okay? They want too high of an offer. They've actually come out today and said that nobody's made them a fair offer for Carson Wentz to move him out of Philadelphia and then move forward with Jalen Hurts, which is interesting because I thought Doug Peterson wanted to go forward with Jalen Hurts the team want to go forward with Carson Wentz. Well, then why did they draft Jalen Hurts? Why did Doug Peterson and them go separate ways if they're trying to move Carson, which it is alleged that they are, and they want to move forward with Jalen? Then they hire a quarterback coach who's known Jalen since he was like a teenager. The Philadelphia Eagles are fucking upside down. Everybody knows it. They're just years removed from winning a Super Bowl. But it's very interesting following this Carson Wentz in, uh, situation because what we know now as people who – professionally follow the sport day to day. We're talking nose to the grindstone, no stone unturned, eyes peeled for every rumor that is happening in the world because we have to fill at least three hours a day to talk about sports. I think that is that is something that made us much more aware about the world that is the sports world. I think it is, I don't want to say we were a little bit naive early, but I think maybe we were naive. And now that we've got a little bit of uh, 
you know, some miles mileage on the road mm-hmm. here. All the reports that you hear about any contract negotiation, uh, 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 negotiations, any trades, any potential moves, any unhappiness, somebody's upset, you automatically have to immediately think first, okay, who's releasing that information? Why are they releasing that information? Is this complete bullshit? What narrative does this push? And if you look back through this whole entire Carson Wentz thing, four or five days ago, that that trade was getting wrapped up within the day because mm-hmm. the Colts and the Bears were making such massive offers. Then you start to read that, and you're like, okay, who would want that information out? Well, the Eagles would want that information out. Then a couple of days after that, a deal is imminent per sources. The Carson Wentz trade from the Eagles will be happening within days. It's like, okay, who's putting that information out? And then now it's like, well, nobody's offering us a fair thing. It's like, oh, so this has been the Eagles releasing this information all along, and not none of it has been fucking accurate. I'm not 100% sure if the or the Bears were interested in Carson Wentz. Let's assume that they were. We don't have insiders that would tell us that or I would ask to hear that information. But I think all the bullshit that we heard about the Eagles potentially viewing Matthew Stafford as Carson Wentz in this particular trade, multiple first-rounders, somebody's going to do it within the next days, that was all bullshit for the Philadelphia Eagles to potentially create a little bit of leverage for themselves whenever they're shopping him somewhere else. So it's a shame that we're going to have to go into this offseason knowing that Damn near every leak is bullshit, yeah. but we have to know why and who's doing it. Carson Wentz might potentially move. We have no idea. Will he be an Indianapolis Colt? Maybe. Maybe. Here we go. Maybe. Will he be a Chicago Bear? Nope. Maybe. Maybe. Will he be a New England Patriot? Maybe. Maybe. Will he be a Houston Texan? Probably not. They're saying they're not moving to Sean Watson. (laughs) Now, they did fire an equipment manager that was tight with Deshaun Watson down there after firing a PR person that was tight with Deshaun Watson down there. And, you know, not really trying to make amends, it seems like, publicly, maybe privately they are with their star quarterback just months after signing a $136 million contract once out of there. The Texans are saying he's not moving at all. So Carson Wentz and the Eagles are saying, oh, he's moving, he's moving, he's moving, and he's not moving. And the Texans are saying he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's probably going to end up moving. We got to know that we're going to ride a wave of bullshit. And I would like to know, I would like the the promise of the people that in two weeks, three weeks from now, when we are in a much different time, I do not want to see all the tweets underneath our videos say this aged poorly. It's like, no shit. We are currently knuckle deep in a bullshit sea trying to kind of swim through it. Dak Prescott, is he going to get franchise tagged or is he going to get moved? Is he going to move on from Dallas? Russell Wilson, he wants out of Seattle. He hates his offensive line. (laughs) Whoa, That's interesting. Russell Wilson's camp allegedly leaked this morning that he is not happy with the way Seattle has protected him Mm. over his nine-year career. He has the most sacks out of any quarterback in nine years or something like that, which was a stat that I did not – you know, no was true. I guess we do see Russ running for his life on a regular basis, but they're also passing the ball a lot, which leads to what Pete Carroll said after he fired Shoddy as the offensive coordinator after this past season. Uh, Brian, Brian, uh, Pete Carroll said that Brian Schottenheimer, his offense basically was philosophically different than what Pete Carroll wanted to run. Shoddy's offense was, we let Russ cook. We want Russell Wilson to be Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll said, we have philosophical differences with that. Russell Wilson's team hears that and goes, we have philosophical differences with the way you fucking block for our guy. (laughs) So now there's a buttoning potential operation happening there. Is Russell Wilson going to get traded out of Seattle after the Seattle Seahawks 
basically said to their Super Bowl winning team, get the fuck out. We're going in on Russell Wilson and this team. Now is Russell Wilson getting traded out of Seattle to where? Miami, maybe? He goes down to Miami, who allegedly was intrigued by Russell Wilson years ago. Is he no longer going to be there? Is Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson doing a straight up trade? There is a lot of shit to be talked about. And let's not leave out the fact that Brett Favre is curing CTE. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Thank you, Brett. We got a big Tuesday going on. <laughs> a lot of bullshit, a lot of rumors. Brett Favre's curing CTE. I mean, let's have a day. We got some great guests for you. Ronald Jones will be joining us in about 15 minutes with Michelob oh, Baltra. Michelob Ultra is asking a question. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? Hmm. Huh. That's a great question. We'll ask Ronald Jones that question. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to hear what he says. Because he just won. The big one. Mm-hmm. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that are primed for another run next year. Players are already saying, we'll take pay cuts, we'll take pay cuts, we'll take pay cuts. But we got to remember that championship hangover is real. Remember, Chris Jones said, hey, I'll do whatever I can to come back uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Then about a month later, he was going to hold out. <laughs> yep. And then they, they paid him because he was very important. So not everybody's words immediately following a world championship can be taken, uh, you know, at 100% because it's not necessarily how they're going to feel whenever the business negotiations do begin a couple weeks down the road or maybe a month down the road but man this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team seems to have everything ready to go ahead and build and run that thing back Tom Brady doesn't seem to be stopping at all and he uh, he crafted the best Instagram story I've ever seen last yeah Tom Brady 43 years old probably talks about that in sports what he does on social is maybe I'm not saying it's better than what he did. Seven Super Bowls is going to be tough, but what he does on social media is awesome. Now, do I think it's Tom Brady posting everything? I don't think we're, any of us think that, okay? I, I assume there's potentially. so. But the fact that Tom's like, yeah, this is cool. This is what we want to be a part of. This is how I want the Tom Brady Instagram account to go. Or maybe he is even posting it himself. His Instagram story makes it sound like he does keep receipts. He is petty. And he is 100% coming back with the team that he loves down there in Tampa. I just found out Bill Belichick has eight Super Bowl rings. He won six as a coach, obviously, uh, for the Patriots, and then he won two as defensive coordinator for the Giants or whatever. I would assume Tom Brady knows that as well. Is he going to play for another four or five years? What is going to happen down there in Tampa? Oh, that and more we'll talk about Ronald Jones with. Also, DeForest Buckner will be joining us, two-time All-Pro for the Indianapolis Colts. The last time he joined us, he gave us a call. In front of an empty bookshelf. That's right. <laughs> yeah, remember huge that? bookshelf. And he said, like, nice, like, movie set-like bookshelf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spiral Library. Staircase, I believe, was behind him. Oh, yeah. He called us. He said, oh, I have books for the next time. Hmm. Ah, we'll see. All that. <laughs> yeah. He was on Good Morning Football this morning. I don't know what they talked about. I did see some clips, though. He talked about Darius Leonard and the Colts and the team and everything like that. He, got, he was a traded for a first-round 27 overall pick by Chris Ballard last year. Chris Ballard will make moves. DeForest Buckner is a great image of that because he came in and dominated for the Colts this year, was one of the missing pieces to take them that next step. I'll be excited to hear what he thinks about the quarterback situation that's revolving around his team that he is on. Mm. He's one of the staples of that Colts team now. If the Colts are going to be good, DeForest Buckner is going to have to be good. I'm excited to see how that plays out. Also, Mark Schlereth will join us in the third hour alongside A.J. Hawk. one mad dog 6 Shout out to the Chargers for this hoodie. Very nice of them. 
nice hoodie. It's a nice it hoodie. is very nice. I mean, it is a very nice hoodie. It's it's nice. They sent it here. They also have their GM, head coach, and their quarterback on this show. I appreciate the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Good people. They're taking Tom Telesco, the reason why I got into the NFL, wore the For the Brand shirt on Hard Knocks. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I love the Chargers. Oh, yeah. And it turns out the color, very good for uh, very good for my skin complexion. Very yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. Makes it pop. Normally don't wear lighter shades because my face always red. Irish, used mm-hmm. to drink a lot, smoke a lot. Face is going to be red. That's just how it is. The Chargers color, I've learned here quickly, not too shabby, actually – Actually goes well with the red. Pretty good. Yeah. Maybe they should draft more red players over there. <laughs> Get the Irish over there for the Chargers. It looks pretty good. So I'm very thankful for this. And for anybody else around the uh, the NFL or any other leagues, we do accept free merch here. If you oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. This came oh, yeah. in, what, yesterday, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is very cold. It's very cold. It is uh, like 12 degrees outside yesterday with a blizzard here uh-huh. in Indiana. It seems like the hard times have hit us. The COVID oh. cowboy has survived COVID. He is now a cowboy. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this first week of the offseason here, Diggs? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that Russell Wilson's going to be a Colt. If he wants to be protected for a team that needs a quarterback, the Colts have the offensive line to do it. And, you know, his – his mindset about the world, I believe, matches Frank Reich. So, huh. pretty spot-on match there. It's funny you say that because Ty had some ideas on where Russell Wilson <laughs> should go too, don't you? Yeah, I mean, if he actually is a God-fearing man like he says he is, then why is he not pounding on the, the door in Seattle and say, hey, get me down to Houston? I need to be with Easterby. I love everything the guy's saying. I love his message. That's a guy I want to go win and play for. Huh. The fact that the Houston Texans did put – Jesus' spokesman himself, Jack Easterby, yep. at the top of the organization. It makes you wonder if more FCA players will be heading down south yeah. for the Christian camp they got going on in Houston. Maybe that'll end up being a a benefit for their team as opposed to a negative like we're all thinking. I guess if they get Russell Wilson because of it, I think Cal McNair would be rather pumped about the whole situation. And also, I played ping pong. Uh, in the game 11 last night in the Oculus against a guy named Nathan in Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nathan, fan of the show, obviously. He wasn't great at ping pong yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's stuck. First day in the game, he said. Uh, okay. uh, maybe oh, second day on the excuses. He wasn't bad. He, he, I mean, he, he was bad. Good, but... but I'm saying, like, he'll be able to get it. But it was the first day. He was, It did seem like first, second day he was on there. Okay. You know, and I – Took it easier or whatever, and I, I unmuted and I started talking to him. He said a lot of people down in Houston, like, yeah, just get him, get rid of him already. Ooh, like they've like moved on. I, I think they like, I think they like. I'm not saying everybody in Houston depicts the same exact mm-hmm. view that Nathan from the game 11 in uh, Houston has. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but I, you could see how a lot of Houston Texans fans are potentially like, all right, we're kind of done with being the national embarrassment here. If there's any way we can move on, that'd be fantastic. If Deshaun Watson ends up with another team in the AFC, though, and goes on to have success, I'll be excited <laughs> to see how they feel then. Like, what if he ends up as a New England Patriot? Like, Ooh, what that's, do you, that's not a terrible idea. What, 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 what does the rest, of the, the rest of the NFL looks at Houston? Goes, you guys fuck this up. <laughs> How'd you do this? You brought Jack Easterby in, and this whole thing went to hell. Now we got to deal with Bill with a guy in his prime prime. Uh, We'll see how that whole thing goes. But you would love that, obviously. I would love Deshaun Watson, but it's very hard to imagine Bill, you know, mortgaging half the team, bunch of picks for one player, especially a guy that you got to pay. Who's what? He's at the top of the cap. I assume he's probably, what, 30 million a year at this point? Yeah, but it's not, for him, though, it's not that bad. I mean, 
Yeah, Deshaun, I guess, whenever you start looking at the stats and the highlights and everything like that, as opposed to just a win-loss record over the last couple of years, I mean, he's – I mean, he had like 70% completion or something oh, yeah, like yeah. that while throwing for a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. He is a very efficient dude, and I think there is some negati- negativity sur- surrounding him because of the drama, potentially. Mm. You know, like there's like, oh, people like, oh, this is drama, this is drama, this is drama, but – I mean, it makes sense if you're one of the greatest of all time, like people are saying Deshaun Watson is, and his stats say the same thing, and you got to deal with this, what, amateur-like operation that's going on down there with a guy who was a chaplain at one team is now making personnel decisions. I mean, it's just, you could see how a guy would be like, get me the fuck out of here, but you could also see how the fans would be like, all right, let's move on. Let's, let's just move on. We'll deal with the suck forever here with Jack Easterby and Cal, but we don't want everybody talking about how we mismanaged this entire thing. Well, no, and Bill, too, he, as much Deshaun Watson is the guy in Houston, He's probably got his eyes on J.J. Watt before he does Watson. Bring J.J. up, you know, build a culture around one of the Watt brothers and destined for the Super Bowl. What if J.J. comes out and says anywhere but New England and then Teddy Bruschi goes, not tough enough. (laughs) (laughs) And then that photo of J.J. with a broken nose like Mm -hmm. playing surfaces and that whole thing. I'll be the J.J. Watt thing's interesting because if they cut him at 17 million. And J.J. said, I'm not about a rebuild or whatever. And yeah. J.J. has given his, what, entire life to Houston, basically, at this point. But if you're Casario or the new coach, Dave, first move is... <laughs> coach Dave. That's his name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's Dave. Yeah. It was by Coach Dave. Coach Dave. Yep. D, yeah. some call. Coach C.D. Coach Dave. But you go in there, you got to trade Deshaun and then cut J.J. Watt. I mean, that is a fucking tough go at it as GM and head coach. And I don't know how long Coach Dave's been at it. Is this his first NFL head coaching gig? I assume. <laughs> and this is Casario's first NFL GM gig? I assume. They get dropped into a job. What do you guys got to do? Oh, we got to trade away our guy and cut the other fucking guy. Oh, that's fun. This is a dream job. Dream job. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how this whole thing goes. And we got to pray three times a day like with this fucking Easter big guy. Well, if Russ is going down to Houston, you're going to have to cut JJ because there's not enough cameras in Texas to fill those two. Um, <laughs> Jesus. If he goes to Houston, oh. it's God's team. <laughs> They're testing for no, Ravens. Uh, so Jeez. you literally, hold on. <laughs> So you had nothing else to say but the punchline. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I he, did, he I said that. It. And then oh. it seemed like you potentially had a follow-up there. <laughs> but I but really, all you were hoping for was just enough pop after that one line. <laughs> and by the way, got us. I completely I forgot what I was. Oh, I know what it was. Why is no one bringing up that Bill may have potentially sent Easterby down to Houston for this all to happen so that he can get to show. Which, by the way, Matt Patricia goes to the Lions, buries them for four or five years or whatever. How you doing? We could take down one franchise. Send Jack Easterby down there. Hey, hey, go butter up Kyle McNair. Heard he likes his steak medium or something like (laughs) that, you know? So while you're praying, go ahead and bring in a good piece of meat to Kyle McNair, you know? Maybe that is what he did, take them down. And then the only thing that hasn't worked, by the way, is – I'm sorry, is it what you say? No, it's a Star Wars term, Order 66, when he sends all the the people out there to take out all the Jedis. Okay, here we go. So that's what Phil Belichick is doing. By the way, great reference. I'm sorry I didn't get it. I don't know it. But I do know that a lot of people understand that. The only one that seems to have failed is what? B-Flow down in Miami. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brian Flores probably. He's in the division. But this is like whenever uh, Undercover goes in there and buys in too hard to the gang. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? And, and Bill's giving him a call. like, do you not remember what your job is? And B-Flo's like, the weather's nice. I like the team. <laughs> Good football team. I, I, you know, I actually enjoy it. I, I think this is what I'm doing. God damn it. Give me Matt Patricia back. <laughs> what if Bill was the one who was in B-Flo's ear like, hey. 
Tua is the guy for the next 20 oh, years. Man. If you guys don't draft Tua, you're missing out big time. And if we get magic, then we're just taking all of the Miami Dolphins what if, mojo. What if Bill calls B-Flow and goes, me and Easterby were talking. Two is the guy. <laughs> he takes the whole thing oh, down there. Ernie gets involved. What if it is just one big mad scheme for a team that might stink for the next 20 years? The yeah. England Patriots. Another step. He could have just said, hey, Saban told me this is the best quarterback I've ever seen at Alabama. You guys would be foolish to let him go. Could you imagine if Tua ends up in New England? Because Saban Jeez, talks about Tua the way or whatever to Bill. Yeah. And let's say Tua doesn't pan out. You think Bill stops talking to Nick forever at that point? I, I'm, They're like very close friends, right? Oh, yeah. You think at that point he'd be like, oh, that guy's terrible fucking football. <laughs> I, I assume Bill probably tells Nick to hang it up if, if that he happens. Hey, it. Nick, you're done. Remember Coach K? Told <laughs> Coach K. <laughs> now he's done too. Hey, Coach K's done, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, that team stinks. It's a good run. Great run. Yeah. yeah. He's 80 years old, too, by Good the way. Good for Coach K. Yeah. Thank you, Coach K. Thank you. Coach K has looked 60 for whatever, 20 years now at this point. Yeah. He's looked the exact same somehow. He dyes his hair, obviously, but he never gets caught. You know, there's never like a bad dye job or yeah. roots. He's very persistent with it. He, he very high-energy guy. Yeah. Has had a lot of success. But I think we all – from outside the basketball world saw this coming when he had, what, the top five players in the world playing on his yeah. team, and they lost. Mm -hmm. Did you lose your fastball, Coach K, if you have every good basketball player in, a, in an entire basketball level and you lose? I think that's when the writing was on the wall. Now Duke's not even top 25. This is a shame. Yeah, all, all he really has now is Team USA. Uh, that's it. Doesn't even have that. Yeah, the toughest year to coach. You can't figure it out. Who would have thought? Whoa. Jeez. Well, huh. See, I would like to say that our Canadian oh, negative whoa. friend Gumpy's <laughs> opinions do not reflect that of his employer or his peers at this point. Well, he's not wrong, though. I've just been betting against Duke all year, and it's turned out pretty well. Hey, good job. They stink, huh? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're brutal. Oh, yeah. They, they, they don't have that home court advantage anymore. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, the Cameron crazy. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of white <laughs> Don't you do that! <laughs> that also was a sign. Yeah, yeah. that he had potentially lost. It. Losing the he fast buries ball. that kid, or I mean, buries, but he yeah. pulled that other kid off. I would, I would like it year. to be known that I do not believe that that was anything. Mm -hmm. At I'm getting a call from Baron Corbin right now. Okay, here we go. Huh. The king. Yeah. Like growing some meats. Holy shit! Hey, I'm live on air right now. Okay, live right now. Literally live right now. Uh, there's probably not many people listening to you, though. Okay. Uh, uh, the only thing I wanted to tell you is uh, your Chiefs are fucking dead. Might never make it back to the Super Bowl. Pal. <laughs> oh! Have you lost your mind? We just need our left tackle back, our center back, and we're fine. Why don't you go back and do that, football Tom? Why don't you go back and play tackle for the Chiefs? Because I'm down 70 pounds. <laughs> hey, yes. nice, hey, you dude. do look good, by the way. We do yeah, all believe dude. you look good. <laughs> One day you'll get some muscles just like me. I'll talk to you later, dude. All right. <laughs> He's fucking riding his mountain bike around town. Have you seen this guy? No. So for those that don't know, Baron Corbin is now King Corbin on Friday Night SmackDown. He's a big-time WWE superstar. I remember, I remember football, Tom. Ooh. I remember football Baron Corbin. Tom. 
we were hitting the clubs together here in Indianapolis whenever, you know, Tom was a legend just talking about becoming a wrestler. What a great dude. Complete asshole on television, though. And he <laughs> is awesome on there. I'm a big fan of it. That's why he's the king. You guys were ripping it up down at Tiki Bob's when Tom was in the league. You guys were at Boobs? <laughs> and by the way, Whoa. and by the way, he... <laughs> He was he's a great asshole in real life too. You know what I mean? So, it's, uh, which is by the way I think why I'm a I'm a big fan. It does seem like the most negative people are attracted to me somehow in my life. You know what I mean? How so? Well, I think it's because I am the complete opposite of that. And uh you know, it's kind of like a good yin-yang situation. Yeah, sure. But I'll tell you what that is a guy who was built to be an asshole on television, Baron Corbin. Perfect at it. Does not give a single fuck if anybody hates him or not. It, it is absolutely perfect. And he, he collects skulls. How was his kickstep? Yeah. How was his what? Kickstep. It was pretty good. I mean, I think I think mine's much more square. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? I think he kind of drifted off oh, a little bit. Sure, oh, sure. But he was Golden Gloves boxer. So he had those heavy ass hands. You know, what he used I mean? to have that long Larry David type hairstyle too. It yeah, was and then nice. that thing was just kind of going back on him. Yeah, going Deep back feet. on him. Oh, no. But he has that good bald head. He has a good bald head. Oh yeah. That's right. See me, I do not. These things are climbing. I got some peaks climbing a little bit, but hopefully it'll hang on. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. good. My head, not a good bald head. Okay. This thing's a goddamn like a, a water jug. That's what my head looks like <laughs> on the top. If I go bald, big problems. Unless I find a place that just tapes on the hair, mm-hmm. which I do believe exists. <laughs> Joining us now is a running back out of USC, a man who'll be entering his fourth season next year as a Super Bowl champion, Woo! running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here on behalf of Michelob Ultra. Ladies and gentlemen, Rojo, Ronald Jones. Hey, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? Hey, congrats. Great hat, dude. That's earned. You know what I mean? That hat <laughs> is earned right there. At what point did that go on your head immediately following the game? Yeah, just just about as soon as I took my helmet off. Yeah, I threw the hat on. Uh was getting splashed with confetti and all that. So, yeah, it was great. It was a great time, man. So, they, I saw the – Tom was kind of up there on the stage all by himself. Nance was on the other side. He had to come closer so Tom could hear what he was saying. Was the team and the family just kind of like congregated outside at the bottom of the stage? I didn't think I saw where the entire team was at. Where were you guys at while Tom and B.A. was saying exact words? This is for the coaches and players. I didn't do a damn thing. Where were you guys all <laughs> yeah. at? Celebrating, <laughs> taking photos? What was going on? Yeah, we were kind of like mixed in, like you said, with the crowd and stuff. And uh, between the confetti and all that and just the, the joy in the moment, uh, yeah, you know, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So I guess that's just how it went down. What was the after party like? I heard Drake from State Farm was there. I heard there was uh, maybe some Migos there. Was Luda there? How was the after party? Yeah, it, it, it was lit, man. You know, uh, Grunk did his thing on stage. Uh, you know, all that. Had a few adult beverages, you know. Shout out to Michelob and all that. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, <laughs> it was a good time. I mean, a Super Bowl after party. Now, granted, we're in the middle of crazy times. You all socially distanced, That's obviously. Right. <laughs> very, very yeah, smart yeah. about it, obviously. But that had to just be incredible. Was Gronk up there screaming, dancing, yelling, rapping? Yeah, a little bit of both, yeah. Uh, you had to keep your mask on if you weren't drinking. So, uh, you know, I had my mask off for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, how'd you get linked up with Michelob Ultra? Incredible beer, by the way, Michelob oh, Ultra. Yeah. The right. And they've been, by the way, they've been ahead of the whole curve with the, hey, we got next to no carbs yeah. or calories in this thing. When Michelob Ultra first came out, as a beer drinker, there was a lot of people that were going after Michelob Ultra. Oh, you're drinking water. Whoa. Oh, you're drinking water or whatever. And now everybody's trying to catch up with what Michelob Ultra's doing. Yeah, it's time to catch up, man. Uh, I don't know if you saw the commercial, but it was on point. And I just think back at the moments I spend off the field with my family, uh, just bringing me joy. To it. And that's why I win, because uh, because I'm happy. Okay, so there's the yeah. question. Yeah. Are you happy because you win <laughs> or do you win because you're happy? You're saying you win because you're happy is what you're saying. Yeah, I win because I'm happy. I think, yeah, just being happy off the field, you know, good thoughts, positive vibes, all that stuff translate on the field. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, Brady's just all business. But, you know, that joy is brought to the field in the championship mindset and, and look at us now. So, yeah. Are you down in Tampa still or how long will you be down there? Is that where you live full time or do you go back? Uh, where are you from? I'm from Dallas, Texas, you know, uh, so I'll be back there soon, you know, for the second parade and party and all that. But uh, I'll be in Tampa enjoying these next few weeks. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I assume you guys are going to be kings of that town for some time. I mean, anytime you win a Super Bowl for somebody, it is something that they're very thankful for. The team seems to be reassembling. Now, we are very early in this entire conversation, and there is a Super Bowl hangover, and everybody is, you know, kind of victims of the moment because it's fantastic. But Mike Evans has come out allegedly and said, hey, I'll rework my contract if we got to do some things to keep people around. It seems like that's going to be maybe a move. You guys are going to become the team that everybody wants to come to and take less money and just go and play for rings because you guys already accomplished that. Now, you're young. If you get offered a shit ton of money, you're going to have to go get yours. But that has to be nice to know, at least going into uh, next season. Yeah, yeah, I'm still locked in. So, uh, you know, I look forward to, you know, coming back and, uh, you know, why not running back, you know, with who we have and the guys that we have in store, uh, all the pieces in the puzzle. So, yeah, I don't see no reason why we came. Going into the playoffs, you got banged up a little bit and playoff Lenny came alive. Nobody knows what's going to happen with his contract going forward and anything like that. But if he is back, you two are a powerful tag team, especially on that offense that, you know, at the end of the season started thriving off of the play action. I think as the offense continued to evolve, the run game was a major part of that entire thing because it opened up everything else, helped the offensive line and everything like that. When you guys were going through the season with Tom Brady as your quarterback, the offense, did you guys kind of feel it in the running back room? Like, hey, it's going to start becoming a little bit more of our type of thing as opposed to just throwing every single time. Did you feel that during the season? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think, you know, Coach Leftwich did a great job too, just, you know, staying balanced and things like that. And, and you know, Brady, he would tell us, you know, hey, you know, fourth quarter of this game, you know, we're going to ride you guys to the end. So uh, just, you know, having the opportunity and getting to put on your back, you know, it's nothing like it for uh, running backs like us. And I think, yeah, we're, you know, we're one of the best. Uh, one two punches in the league, and I look forward to doing it again. I think somebody's going to pay Leonard, <laughs> yeah. and I, I think yeah, I think somebody's I think somebody's going to pay you too, though. So, yeah. like, like I I hope you guys get at least another year to kind of do that thing, uh, because the temptation is going to get big, especially for a younger guy who hasn't got broken off yet. The um, Tom Brady throwing to his back, you know, like screens and checkdowns and everything like that. That's a rather large part of the offense. Have you always been a guy that can catch the ball well? Have you always had great uh, ball skills? And, or do you just sit on the jugs all day, every day? One Michelob Ultra, one jugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good routine to me. Yeah, one Michelob, one on <laughs> and then one jug. But uh, yeah, I, I've had to work, you know, on my routes and uh, catching the ball. That's still something I'm working at. But yeah, you know, I got held back too with the broken feet and things like that. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, got to do more of that in the future. I run a pretty good route. A couple of them. I run good. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> hey, do you see that, Rojo? Do you see that? Nah, I ain't see it. Yeah. That's why. It's too, fucking quick. <laughs> it's too goddamn quick, Rojo. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, Rojo, I think Todd Gurley said during the Super Bowl, uh, you know, Ronald Jones is a hell of a player, but Leonard Fournette chooses to shave his head, so you got to hand him the ball. Are you going to, you know, start shaving your head so you can get more carries? Yeah, I won't be shaving the dreads any anytime soon. These are championship dreads now. So. <laughs> uh, you feel me? So, yeah, I got to keep that going, man. But, yeah, you know. Have you had dreads before? Long dreads before? Or is this first time growing them? No, nah, this is about my third, fourth time growing them. Uh, you ever get? Oh yeah, the flip. Yeah, I got the flip, man. But you know, no, gotta, no, no. I'm talking about tackled. <laughs> I'm talking about tackled by. Have you ever been tackled by a? Oh yeah, I've been tackled by them in the high school playoffs. Actually, uh, yeah, it, it hurt, but they didn't come out, so I still scored too. So. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Ty. Rojo, uh, obviously you guys were seven and five at some point in the season. Uh, at any point in that, like, was there something that kind of flipped it when you you guys kind of realized, like, hey, we definitely still can win the whole thing? I think yeah, after that 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 last loss, you know, heading into the bye, I think that's when you know we kind of said it's time to really dig deep and you know find the, the purpose, you know, what this team's gonna be. Because uh, yeah, yeah, going into the, the bye, we we weren't at a good place, and uh, we just came back with a you know, fresh legs, things like that, and yeah, it was time to get it done. That second half of that Atlanta game, uh, like week 15 mm-hmm. maybe, it yep. felt like that was when it was like, okay, this offense is the offense that we thought it could be. And then I talked to Clyde Christensen before the Super Bowl, and he said if we had like another eight weeks, if we had like another eight weeks, right, right, I think our team <laughs> right. could continue to grow or whatever. What do you guys see? Is everybody kind of see it the same way? Like you guys are nowhere near your potential yet as an offensive uh, unit? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, uh, be it tell you, you know, we still haven't played our, our best game, you know, as an offense. And uh, that's kind of scary, you know, when you look at the group of guys that we have and the pieces that, that are coming back and, you know, uh, so, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, we just get started, honestly, because, you know, Brady's not slowing down anytime soon, and neither are we. So, uh, yeah, you know, Tampa, we're going to be here again. What do you see? Do you just see Tom walking around with just just jugs of water and, and, and TB12 electrolytes? And, <laughs> like, is he just always preparing his body at all times? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, even in, you know, meetings, you know, he's just, you know, throwing the waters back and, you know, rolling out things like that and so when you're around greatness you definitely got to soak it in and that's what I've been doing and you know just trying to apply things from him and also the uh, Sean McCoy you know has been a big help too so shout out to Shade as well yeah how's he been as a teammate now two Super Bowl wins two victories he has 15,000 career yards from scrimmage he is at, for those of us and I talk like it's back in the day but Shady changed the game whenever he came into football. Just everything he did was electric. He played for Pitt, obviously, so I got a chance to see him whenever in the old school Big East. But the conversation was always like, can't run with the ball like that. And then he literally just did. And it was just like, yeah, unless you're unless you're LaShawn, you can't run like that or whatever. He was a game changer. I'm happy he's gotten to. You're saying what he has been able to do off the field, though, has been mighty impactful for not only you, but the whole team as well? Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think just, you know, his – 
uh, OG presence in the locker room and just helping me understand what the defense is doing and things like that uh, just helped excel my game too. So he, he's been a great help. And yeah, that's my boy. Now he's got two rings. So, you know, he's definitely yeah, knocking on that door. Yeah, like, oh, okay, I agree. I mean, especially with the 15,000 scrimmage yards, mm-hmm. two rings. You know, yeah, that's a, that's don't a lie. What's that? Yeah, I said, yeah, his numbers don't lie, man. Yeah, he was one of my favorite running backs, you know, to watch. So to be able to play with him and, you know, share these experiences with him is, is crazy. I'm excited for that conversation to happen when uh-huh. it happens because he mm-hmm. was electrifying. Yeah. What do you got, Diggs? Uh, Rojo, important question. Over or under on how many Michelob Ultras you're going to drink on uh, Parade Day? Yeah, I go with the uh, how many how many rings does Brady have? <laughs> Seven. I know what about yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have a, uh, quite a quite a few of them. Hey, you do any super white boy stuff? You shotgun beers and uh, bong beers and stuff, or are you just casual uh, professional drinker? Yeah, I, I go with casual professional. Yeah, sipping cool. You know, mm. take take a, take take one back. You know, say what's up to a lady, whatever. <laughs> Smart. All right. Well, good luck with the rest of the day with Michelob Ultra. Good luck next season. Can't wait to see you either get broken off or decide to take less money to stay in Tampa. <laughs> either way, whatever you got to do, you got to do to take care of yourself. Uh, we appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Ronald Jones. I want to let you know that um, Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And for a lot of guys, that can mean added pressure to perform. Luckily, with Roman. You can relax. Hell yeah. Whether you're dealing with ED or you're more concerned about lasting longer in a sack, Roman's got you covered. For a limited time, Roman has special offers to make sure you're ready for Valentine's Day. Get up. (laughs) Get up. Get up now. Get up. Get up. It's $35 off your first month of ED treatment. It's not supposed to be read. Podcast. Oh, no. Oh, boy. That's podcast read. I can clip that. Congrats to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, GetRoman.com slash USA to get started. That's GetRoman.com slash USA to get started. Get up to $35 off your first month of ED treatment. So does ED treatment come at different prices? Like, uh, you're going to need a lot more. Okay, you get $35 off. You have this. Uh, like, how does that work? I'm not 100% yeah. sure. But you can go find out and take care of your problem. Mm. Get up. $35 off your first month of ED treatment when you go to GetRoman.com slash USA. Complete your online visit by February 10th for guaranteed delivery by Valentine's Day. For a limited time, get up to $35 off your ED treatment if prescribed. And if you purchase swipes, you'll get a free bottle of lube added to your order. Oh, oh right up in that. Really? While, while supplies last. Shout out to them. All right, so for a limited time, you get up to $35 off your first month of ED treatment if prescribed. Okay, so you can't just be self-diagnosing. No, no, no. You can't, you can't be like, hey, what's going on, diner? Yeah. got to see the doc. But anyways, you get prescribed that. That is the place to go. And if you purchase swipes, you get a free bottle of lube added to your order. Woo. Order by February 10th, guaranteed by Valentine's so Day. Nice Guys, spice up the Lover's Day. Let's go. Hell yeah. We have a man joining us that was traded for the 13th overall pick in the last NFL draft. He was formerly of the 49ers. Now he is a staple of the Indianapolis Colts. Ladies and gentlemen, all pro, pro bowler, DeForest Buckner. How you doing, man? What up, Pat? Hey, 
People are saying that uh, you don't know how to read because uh, you're, you're doing your interviews in a different spot than you did last time because the library, the bookshelf was empty previously, and then now you're doing it from this room with no books. It's, I'm just telling you what the Internet's saying. I'm just trying to keep it, you know, let you know what's going on. Oh, fun fact, I can read. And uh, I told you on the show, uh, there will be a bunch of books in the background. Uh, that's if I'm in the office. And there are no books still. Uh, I, I still need to purchase some. I'm going to make the wife uh, do that for me. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us, man. Hope you're enjoying your time. Sorry you guys didn't win the Super Bowl. You know, 31 teams are bummed every year. Only one team gets mm-hmm. to celebrate. What do you think the Colts need to do? Aside from getting a quarterback, is there anything in your eyes that you're like, okay, we could probably get better at this and this as well going into next season? Yeah, um, honestly, just finishing. Uh, finishing the uh, the opportunities that are given to us. Uh, looking back at the season, uh, summoning it all up in my head. I mean, towards the end of the year, I mean, I'm really looking at it. And I mean, there were two teams that really beat us. And it was Cleveland and the second Titans game. We could have been 14 and two easily. Uh, we were leading a bunch of games and, you know, we just didn't take advantage of the opportunities late in the game and uh, shot ourselves in the foot. You know, uh, you know, it takes one play. And uh, I mean, we just didn't finish it. You were hurt in that second Tennessee game, weren't you? Uh, COVID. COVID got me. Congrats. Hey, I want to let you know, okay, I normally ride with the Colts, okay, in my uh, mm-hmm. betting exploits. Yeah. Whenever you were out that week and we are playing the Titans, that was my biggest lock of the weekend. Uh, okay, they got a guy that runs right up the gut. We, we don't have our guy that's right up the gut. <laughs> this, is, this, is potentially, this is potentially a little bit of a – but you're right. It felt like every single game you guys had the opportunity to go and get it. I mean, the win over Green Bay in overtime is – Absolutely mm-hmm. huge. It seems like the team has good resolve. The locker room's good there. Now the conversation is the quarterback conversation because Phil Rivers retires. I believe Jacoby's going to become a free agent or whatever. Have yeah. you guys kept up with that at all? Group text messages or anything on who you think is potentially going to be the man under center and shotgun in uh, Frank Reich's offense next year? Honestly, not really. Uh, nobody has really been talking about it. Um I mean, it's it's something that you know it's you got to trust uh, Ballard and his team to do. You know, he's he's done a great job with, you know, the draft and getting free agents and uh, making you know big decisions and making trades. You know, and um, he's had a you know he's got a good reputation and all of that. So you just got to trust Ballard and what he does and whoever he brings to come on their center. Um, you know, he's got to open them, welcome them with opening arms and uh, just move on from there. You know, it's very interesting here. That's a smart answer, by the way, because there are some people that have openly politicked for a quarterback, and then a different quarterback goes to that place, and I'm like, all right, excited to see how this, <laughs> excited to see how this whole thing. It's real awkward. Yeah, exactly. But now it feels like with information that's getting leaked, I don't know how the locker room is going to remain a a place that is still like a trusted place. I, like, obviously there's going to be some teams that come together and have a great culture. But for instance, this has nothing to do with you and I would never put you in a position to answer this, but it will lead into what I'm going to ask you. So you'll get it. Allegedly today, Russell Wilson's team his marketing team, agency team came out and said that they feel like the Seahawks haven't protected him. Right? So that's a direct shot at the offensive line. Those okay. offensive linemen. Okay. If Russell Wilson's on that team again next year, they, Right, they're going to be in the same locker room again next year with hopefully with less COVID protocols. So you guys are actually around each other, but with more and more bullshit getting out. Okay, how do you guys maintain? Because it feels like the Colts locker room is a very tight one. Like, how do you guys maintain that in this world where there's just 
There's shit flying every day. We cover it because yeah. that's like, I don't know. There's stuff that flies every day, though. How do you guys keep all that out and stay like a tight yeah. culture? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean it's, it's easy. I mean, it's all the outside noise. People aren't in the locker room. You know, they're not in there with you. They're not in there grinding every day, working for each other every day. Uh, they don't they don't see the interactions that you have with each other every day. So they, they can't, really can't. You know, when you have that bond that's so strong, they, all the outside noise doesn't matter. You know, all the outside shots, when you hear rumors or things like that, I mean, guys are there speaking face to face. I mean, you know, when you have a good culture and you're you're man enough to, you know, tell somebody straight up like, hey, do your job, you know, um, that's when you know you have a great locker room. It's, it's those, you know, locker rooms where you don't have a great culture and, you know, you let the outside noise get to you and that's when your team starts falling apart. But like you said, I mean, we have a great culture here at the Indianapolis Colts and um, I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, OK, so you've been there for one year, but you are a dude there now, right? Like you're a dude there Mm -hmm. in that locker room. Chris Ballard, whenever I was talking to him, I think his first or second year, whenever he uh, was GM there, because I I left as he was becoming the GM, right? So I've only got a chance to watch him work from the outside, not actually be in a building that he's run. He had like a hundred and some million dollars. Okay. And he wasn't mm-hmm. doing shit with it. He was doing nothing with it. Okay. And everybody, we go on the show and be like, we got a hundred some million. We can go do, we can do a lot of right. things, you know? And we had him on the show and I asked him, I'm like, Hey, Chris, a lot of people were talking about you having a lot of money to spend and not spending a dollar of it. And he said, uh, you know, what I want to do first, Pat, is I want to build a culture. I want to have a good culture in here. You know, you got to have a culture. And then once we have a culture, then we'll feel like we can bring in somebody and they'll adapt to our team as opposed to our team adapting to somebody that comes to our team it feels like you guys take a lot of pride in the culture that is the indianapolis colts locker room because you're going to have a quarterback come in last year who og quarterback right philip rivers mm-hmm. could have came in there and that could have been awkward or whatever came in you guys built your culture even more there's going to be another quarterback coming in it's probably going to be a big name person and it feels like your locker room is one that's like takes a lot of pride in the ability to have anybody come in and like kind of buy in almost no definitely and uh i mean i'm i mean i was one of the guys who really witnessed it too um you know coming from you know another team getting traded and uh they made my job easier you know being able to adapt to the culture that was already established um guys reaching out to me you know when i first got traded and it, it was hard especially because of covid you know not meeting able to meet guys face to face but you know just a text or a D, uh you know a dm or whatever a message i mean meant a lot and you know being able to you know meet them over zoom and and come you know finally get into the building they made my job a lot easier you know made me comfortable you know being here uh, wanting to be out there and play for them and uh you know vice versa and so th- that's when that culture really does hit and um it, it just you know it was a seamless transition for me personally now, you said you, you have to be able to have the accountability to tell somebody, like, hey, do your job or whatever. Is that mm-hmm. everybody's like that? Or is there ev- there's just such an accountability, like, standard, like, okay, this is what we do around here? Yeah, I think, I think it's just more of a standard, you know, what we do around here. And I mean, so I mean and, and there's, there's times where you can literally just tell, I mean, you know, there's times where if the, somebody's messing up, you know, you, you got to get on them. You know what I mean? Um, essentially, you know, you're playing for each other. And also, I mean, we all got families that we got to feed. I mean, you know, when you're messing up, you're messing up somebody else's bank account. You know what I'm saying? So um, <laughs> yeah, that's real. And you know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's part of the job. That's part of being a man. You know, you got you to gotta do your job. You got to own up to your shit. That's like the kicker punter thing, you know? 
some guys can't make the transition from college to NFL. Cause I think in college you're potentially, at least when I was in college, you were naive to how much money people were making on the outcomes of every single game. But when you get in the NFL, you literally know exactly the amount of money that you are fucking up for people and their families. So you know yeah. exactly. Okay. Not just me. All right. Not just my family, but also my teammates, my coaches, family, equipment managers, like everybody's family basically. And I think that is something that potentially, gets the guys but that's a real thing whenever you got people caring about that though god you weren't you weren't there when he was there i got a chance to watch andrew luck and you know like a week ago there's some uh there's some you know fake text messages that made the <laughs> internet and we had to address them because they were on I the internet that. but they I were, saw that. They were yeah. fake though we we said these are fake for sure like we said we assume these are fake but it is gaining traction so we have to talk about it that team that you guys have with like Andrew Luck as a quarterback or something. Oh, my God. It's awesome to watch as a Colts fan because the possibilities now for what quarterbacks are going to go in there is going to be a pretty interesting one. Connor, what do you got? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, DeForest, uh, what's Frank Wright like on a day-to-day basis? Oh, Frank is just a, one of the most genuine people I've ever met, honestly. Um, you know, when I when I got decided to get baptized uh, earlier in the year, during the bye week, actually, I mean, he was there. Congrats. You know, and uh, just to see, just to see, you know, my head coach, especially being new to the team and everything and seeing him there. I mean, faith is big in his life. And mm-hmm. uh, to see him, you know, having my back and being, on, you know, helping me along my journey with Christ, uh, just just something like that simple. You know, he, he doesn't care about the – he doesn't care all about the player. He wants to, you know, he wants to know the man. He wants to know you personally um, on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, he interacts with everyone. I mean, it's – to see – to have him as a head coach is – you know, we're, we're very grateful to have Frank in our locker room. DeForest, okay, what you just said there is what a lot of people are saying about a particular quarterback. And I know you guys are, you know, not thinking about all those things because <laughs> you have no idea which quarterback's going to be your quarterback. But the Carson Wentz-Frank Reich relationship mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. basically talked about in the exact manner that you just talked about your relationship with Frank. And I'm not saying and asking for you to say – that you want Carson Wentz as your quarterback. I'm just saying, if you thought a guy like Carson Wentz, who previously had previously had a relationship with Frank Reich, and you've gotten to kind of see how Frank Reich operates now with his mm-hmm. players, do you think that is something that if he came back around Frank Reich, it would obviously make him a much better player again? Definitely. Well, um, I okay. mean, you've seen you've seen uh, Philip come, you know, reunite with Frank. Um, he had a, he had a great year this year, and um, you know, just to see, I mean, Carson his best year. Uh, when everybody in you know Philadelphia was saying you know Pennsylvania, and uh, he was up for the MVP before he got hurt, um, the Super Bowl run. I mean, he was you know he was Frank was you know running the offense with him, and uh, you know I, I think it's just uh, for him. I, I feel like it's a lot of mental mental things. You know, it's confidence. Um, you know that he lost you know last year, which he had a down year. I mean, um, you know from just from the outside looking in, it just looks like he didn't have a lot of help. You know, and yeah. uh, they kind of just gave up on him a little bit. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, the guy still has arm. You know, he's hell of an arm talent. Um, he's obviously got a lot of talent. You know, they they invested in him. You know, what I mean, it comes with a hefty, uh, hefty uh, contract. I mean, they they believed in him. You know what I mean? And um, just as you know, just so quick, kind of push him off to the side a little bit um, is, is very interesting to me. So it it, it just looks at like uh, you know, it's kind of things from coming up up top. And, uh, you know, them just losing confidence in him. And I think um, if he was to come here, I mean, guys would be happy and, um, you know, welcome him with open arms. And, you know, you know, obviously I think that his confidence level would definitely grow being in a different environment. DeForest, last year, 
Did you see Andy Dalton get decapitated in the middle of a football field and yes, then sir. nobody do anything to force? Think about yeah, that. That was that was terrible. I mean, I, I mean, it's honestly, I mean, it just shows the type of culture, though, that you have in the locker room. I yeah. mean, it's your quarterback. You know what I mean? Not even one guy is going to go there and, and, and defend him. I mean, you see, it doesn't matter who's behind center. You see uh, our O-line. I mean, they're ready to take somebody out. <laughs> you know, <mess> <laughs> whoever's on their center. That's what I love about it. And the, the guy leading the charge is Quinn. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so if you're messing with, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Colts quarterback, I mean, you just know you got Q Nasty coming out the ass. Hey, <laughs> you guys go one-on-ones? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's – I mean, you're both. Yeah. I mean, you're both. I mean, no, yeah. Q's a real deal. I mean, he he makes me better every day, and I'm, I'm lucky to have him as a teammate. You know, I want to go against the best every day, and he he's definitely made my job easier on Sundays. Uh, you know what's – like 10 years, whenever you guys retire or whatever, they're going to release the practice footage. Oh. Of, you know what I mean? Like that's going to come yeah. out and be like, because whenever you two inevitably, now there's a lot of pressure, obviously, but I mean, it's a show. So that, I mean, that's going to have, when you two inevitably become Hall of Famers, they're going to talk about the time that Chris Ballard traded a 13 overall pick for you two to battle every single day against each other, basically, and just become the best versions of yourself. I mean, that's going to become a, it's, a, its own story at this point. Diggs, what do you got? Forrest, um, you being from Hawaii, I was wondering if you surf, or is that just uh, physically not possible? Physically not possible. <laughs> too big, huh? Too big? Yeah, I'm too too big. I'm too big. I, I would do boogie boarding. I'm laying down on the board, you know what I mean, hmm. and, and catch some waves, but no, too big. Well, you're you're in athletic. Indianapolis, right? Enough for that. You're in yeah. Indianapolis right now. Yes, sir. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know I'm just getting some work here at the facility. Um, okay, hey, that's the type of guy you want on your team. That's the guy you want on your no, team. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I'm actually uh, about to head west uh, in a little bit. You know, uh, the, the wife wants to head back west too, and you know I miss my family out in Hawaii, so. Got to better go visit them for a week too, and Smart. and uh, be out in Cali and visit family as well. So it's gonna it's gonna be a nice off season. Listen, I appreciate the fact you're sticking around, Indy. I did as well. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I I chose to keep Indy as my home, but my family was in Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, if my family lived in Hawaii, I oh. am not a hundred percent sure we are still. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I am not. A, I am not sure. It's, after going to Hawaii, it is. It's the greatest place on it's the greatest place I've ever been. I fucking love it over yeah. there. Yes, sir. It's paradise, baby. It really is paradise mm-hmm. over there. It's absolutely incredible. DeForest, um, so you go to Hawaii, you'll go to California, you'll read books, you'll work out. Mm-hmm. Any other <laughs> hobbies? What do you uh obviously COVID, you can't just, you know, do yeah, you see, some you stuff. Do anything, but you play but, uh, video games? I mean, I'm a big 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 gamer. Uh, big gamer. I like to do outdoor stuff. So, like, you know, um, my father-in-law got me into hunting. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I like I like You doing and Carson, that. Um, yeah. Especially, uh, oh, yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> it was um, duck hunting is really the one of the first things he really got me into. And, I mean, I love it. It's a done deal. Uh, hey, you do yeah, know. Was, been, uh, you do know Carson loves duck hunting. Carson Wentz. Oh, really? Oh, oh man. man. Oh, he loves it. Maybe more than football. Loves it. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, if he, I mean, if he ends up coming here, I mean, you know what I mean. We got something to talk about. Maybe you know, go out there early morning, Ooh. shoot some ducks. Icebreaker. You do the full. You go full on. We go out there. No, 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 no. I don't do the the full. I, I get the full camo. You know what I mean. But uh, 
Not the whole face paint and everything. Do you no. do the quack, 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 the uh I try. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> we had a world champion duck caller on this show one time. Really? Yeah, he's quarterback for the Rams now. Duck Hodges. <laughs> Whoa. But hey, pretty good. good. Maybe you just do that out there. Fucking just... I, pretty much, you know what I mean? I mean, so, I, I did go to Oregon. I went to Oregon, you know. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So that's, yeah, that, you're killing ducks now at this point. That, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thought of – so this is – does Phil Knight just walk into everybody's locker and just dump everything that Nike has? Is that what you guys do at Oregon? Nah. Is that how that works? No, nah, no, nah, not Phil, not him personally. Phil's <laughs> <laughs> assistant. He's, he's, he, you know, the, the EQ staff takes care of us for sure uh, with all the, the latest uh, stuff that Nike's coming out with. As Nike was like evolving into this incredible company that they've become, right? And and I am not sponsored by anybody. I had a Nike sponsorship. It was very small, and then it didn't happen anymore. But the as they were like growing, and pictures of the Oregon locker room started making its way out there. I think mm-hmm. we were in West Virginia. Like, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> These kids are getting everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a hell of a run back then. Uh, you ever get back? Mm-hmm. You go to Oregon much? I haven't been back to Oregon in about two years. Yeah, well, actually, I'm I'm actually getting uh, pressure by the wife. She's like, we got to make it back out there because she's went to Oregon too, and she's missing it too. So, uh, she, we definitely got to make our round out there. Did you meet at home or in Oregon? In Oregon. Aww. Yeah, she was on the she was she was a dancer on the cheer team. Aww. the pomps. Nice. They, Nike, Lost. by the way, fucking, she probably got yeah, everything out. from Nike as well. <laughs> I mean, it felt like the entire operation over there just had everything Pretty going much. Good for yeah. you. Hey, enjoy your off season, man. Thanks for sticking around, Indy. I think everybody would very much understand if you decided to go back to your home, Hawaii, every once in a while. But we appreciate you, man. Good yeah. luck, ladies and gentlemen. DeForest no. Buckner. Hey! Yeah, 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 appreciate y'all. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe, ain't that right? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24-7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, which you do, you also get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them most straight to your door. Simply Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every single inch of your home. You can set it up into yourself in about 30 minutes. It's incredibly easy. I am a stooge who knows nothing about this type of stuff. I got my house set up with Simply Safe, more secure and more convenient in under an hour. Yeah. It, 30 minutes is an accurate take. I think mm-hmm. that's what it will be. You'll get an app on your phone. You'll be able to click in there. It'll monitor anytime there's movement on your cameras. It will record for you. You'll be able to look in there live anytime you have to. And it's all from one click of the button on your smartphone app. It is unbelievable and revolutionizing for the security game. Yeah, it's perfect. We all have it we all use it we all love it it's very simple i mean it's the best it also catches some moments oh yeah you know there's moments outside you Mm -hmm. see moments in the office we catch it is incredible and by the way it's not like bigfoot cameras where it's all blurry or anything like this this is great cameras great functionality great convenience great company to be honest with you simply safe Mm -hmm. 1080p right now listeners of this show get a free home security camera whoa 
when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash McAfee. That's S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash M C A F E E. You also get a 60 day risk free trial, so there's literally nothing to lose. Here. That's what I'm talking about. So you get a bonus camera plus a 60 day risk free trial when you go to simplysafe.com slash McAfee. S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash M C A F E E. Free security care. Let's go. That's simplysafe.com slash McAfee. I'm happy Simply Safe is back in here. I love Simply Safe. They have an incredible product. Let's go ahead and keep it moving with them. Joining us right now is a college national champion and a Super Bowl champion, Mr. AJ Hawk. Yeah. How you doing, AJ? Doing good. Is uh, Schlereth coming on? Yeah, old Stink will be joining us here in a couple moments here. Whenever we run the opening video package, we have to end video package, then FaceTime third guest due to lack of computers or plugins into the uh, studio thing. I can figure it out. Which will be changing, by the way, whenever we move into the church. Shout out to the architects who have already sent over their plans or ideas for how they would design the new office. Isn't Miss Hawk an architect? Interior designer, right? Oh. Yeah. I'll bring her in for cleanup then. Fix it all up. So you got it? You officially got the building? Yeah, we got it, dude. Got the keys. Wait, stick around. Got the keys. It's, hey, uh, what's, with, uh, what's with the pizza up by the date? National Pizza Day. Oh, it's, yeah, it's National Pizza Day. That is interesting, though, because... Get your mind out of the gutter, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> because there will be people. There has been already. Oh, yeah. First thought. Zeet. Can we not clarify a little bit? Zeet. It's off. Yeah. <laughs> Even worse. Internet. Now it's worse. Now it's worse. What do yeah. I do? Took it off towards the end of the show. This is pre-204. <laughs> yeah. This is post-204 Eastern Standard. It's back up. It's back up. By the way, I'm, I'm already getting people saying I got two tweets this morning. Really? No, no. Say what? Oh, good Lord. Way to go, Zeet. I, I would like pizza. to say it is National Pizza Day. Hell yeah. Yeah. We had pizza earlier. Put some pepperoni on that. Thank and you. chili, by the way. And we had some chili on the side. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, a man <laughs> who has his own line of chili that is fantastic. Oh, yeah, the best. Stinking good. Have some in the office either right now or we just finished it. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champ, pro bowler, member of the Broncos' 50th anniversary team, Mark Schler. Yeah. Yeah, you know, always good to be with you guys, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, great year you had this yeah. year. Yeah, Thank you, Steve. I, I appreciate that. I think you committed a lot, obviously, with the COVID protocols. I thought you called great games this year. Every time you came on our show, you delivered. I appreciate hell of a season by you. You know, I'm not sure you can win any more Super Bowls in this world, but I think this year you had the team that could do it. You had a hell of a fucking run here, Mark. Well, I appreciate that. I tell you what, you know, somebody asked me about uh, broadcasting games in the NFL this year, and in all its imperfection, I thought the season was perfect. Um, Mm. I can't tell you how, like, just have my parents reach out to me uh, on Sundays or after the games on Mondays and say, man, you know how what it means for us to just be able to kind of hang out and watch football and, uh, and make that appointment television is such a fabric of what we do in this country, sports in general, but especially the National Football League. And uh, to get through this season, the way they got through this season, to just kind of muscle through it. I mean, I broadcast a game that didn't have any coaches. I broadcast a game that didn't have any quarterbacks. <laughs> and I broadcast a game that didn't have any running backs. And it was still perfect. I loved every second of it. So uh, I was just happy to be a part of it. 
Hey, speaking of your parents, are, do they uh, give you like constructive criticism on your broadcast <laughs> on how you do? And like, were they like that as when you were playing too? No, my parents don't know shit about football. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they really, they really don't. They, uh, they, they're just fans of their son, you know. So they were just happy to be, you know. They're always like, "Oh, I thought you were great," you know. It doesn't matter what I did; I get four holding calls, and you know, I would have been great. So uh, they don't, they don't care, and they really don't know anything. Uh, so. Yeah, they don't. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Uh, congrats on the success. It seems like you kind of had to do it all on your own in football. <laughs> so without them knowing anything, unbelievable what you were able to accomplish at this point. Uh, speaking of accomplishing, Tampa Buccaneers, Tom Brady, obviously. But as an offensive lineman, you have to like the fact that it was the run game that really changed Tampa's year, I think. You know what I mean? The ability, even in this pass-happy football season that we had, the NFL that we live in, which is much different because of the rules, if it's not for playoff Lenny, if it's not for Ronald Jones, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line, we're talking about a whole different world, aren't we? Yeah, you know, it's, what's interesting is I think you can go through the entirety of the playoffs. And um, to me, if you dominate the line of scrimmage, both offensive line-wise and defense and defensive front seven, you're going to win. Um, that's just the way this league is constructed. And as much as we try to deconstruct that and make it about something that it's not, you show me the teams that are the toughest teams, you show me the teams that physically put a whoop-ass on the other team, and I'll show you the team that's going to win. Right. Um and, and I tell you what, throughout the entirety of the playoffs, it was that way. I thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a great job. They're a pretty simple running game. If you ask Bruce Arians, he'll tell you, hey, we'll run 22 duo 15 times, you know, and it's about our back having a choice to go either inside or bounce outside and make that corner get involved, make that corner tackle. And you saw them do that. I bet you, I bet you 70% of the passes thrown by Tampa Bay were off of play action stuff. And when you have that kind of, when you have that kind of, um, just that kind of just precision in your running game and everything that matches off your running game in play action basically basically you know meshes well uh it's amazing how successful you can be as an offense and and obviously they were exceptionally um exceptionally uh successful with Tom Brady going 21 to 29 for you know three touchdowns and only 200 yards but um damn when you when you're running it like that good things are going to happen to you Hey, what do you think uh, Kansas City's offense could have done? Like, what kind of adjustments could they have tried to make? They couldn't. They couldn't block a four-man rush. Could they try to run out of it and try to, you know, get get him into one high safety? Like, what could what could adjustments yeah. would have worked? Well, I, you know what? We always we always had that that feeling when I was in Denver, AJ. It was always, hey, if they're going to play us in too high, we're just going to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> like, if they're going to play it, and, and in the second half, I mean, that's all they did. They were basically saying, hey, we got the lead on you. We'll trade. You know, we'll we'll allow you to run it. You know, you want to put an eight nine play drive together and, and score a touchdown. And ultimately, to me, you're down twenty one six or whatever it was at halftime. Um, ultimate to move, you're not out of that game, and you've got to match physicality with physicality. And if they're going to allow you to run it, and they did, they allowed you to run. They invited you to run it, and it was almost football hubris. It was almost like, hey man, we've won the way we've won. Um, throughout the entirety of the last couple of years, and we're not going to take what you're giving us. We're basically going to continue to try to throw it over the top. And I, I tell you, when you watch Tampa's defense, and I've gone back to the coaches' cap tape watching them, um, they were more versatile or more multiple than I thought they would be in coverage. Um, so they they did a lot of different things during the course of that game. But I think the biggest thing, AJ, and you'd be better at, at explaining this than I would. You know, when you start to be able to expand your drop, so a hook drop guy, you know, he's 
he's eight to 12 yards deep outside the, you know, outside the hash type of thing. And when you start to expand that and take throws away from a quarterback, what you saw consistently was um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, hitch on that first one and knowing, gosh, if I throw the flat, you know what, it's going to be a one yard gain. So let me hitch, pull the ball back. And now all of a sudden, that pass rush has gotten there. So I thought the Kansas City Chiefs did a really poor job of supporting their quarterback, a really poor job of supporting a uh, hodgepodge offensive line. And um, ultimately, the end result is you got your ass whipped. Do you think Patrick Mahomes, after what, 22 rushes or or 22 hurries or something like that uh, after the Super Bowl, do you think he'll potentially come out and say – He's not happy with how he's being treated oh, at the yeah. Chiefs with the uh, protection. You know, it is alleged now that Russell Wilson's team has come out and said that they are not thrilled with the way the Seattle Seahawks have protected Russell. Uh, we're all in this together, okay? We're all trying to make money off of Russell, okay? We, we do not appreciate how the Seahawks have protected Russell Wilson, which means that's a direct shot at the offensive line. If Russell Wilson doesn't get traded, I, ho- I don't know how he and the offensive line, you know, hopefully that there's probably some awkward conversations that will take place. And if he does get traded, that would be insane if Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson get traded in the same offseason, even though both seem very least likely of uh, outcomes that are likely. You get it. Yeah. I Listen, in regards to protection, protection is, is interesting because, you know, I mean, I've always said this. Just think about the difference between defensive linemen and offensive linemen. I can whip your ass 65 plays in a row. I give up one second at the end of the game. You had a great game, and I'm shit. Like, that's like <laughs> that's why we're all so paranoid, right? Man, you got grass stains on the back of your jersey, and I'm the one that is talked about as a bad player. So that that's always bothered me about that position, but, you know, I accepted the fact that that's the way it is. Um, ultimately, when it comes to protection, you know, it's easy to see an offensive line give up six sacks, and everybody said, oh, gosh, they, you know, the quarterback's under duress. They were horrible, this, that, and the other. Uh, that, to me, is coaching. And and mm. the beauty of protection, it really comes down to how well you coach protection. And what I mean by that is I don't care who you are. I mean, think about this. Now, th- think about the way the league works. Okay, uh, We've all seen it, right? We've seen a corner transition to safety. We've seen a safety transition to outside linebacker. We've seen an outside linebacker transition to inside linebacker. Inside linebacker transition to rush the end. Rush the end transition to uh, defensive tackle. Defensive tackle tra- transition to offensive lineman. O-line, the, the, next, the transition for O-line is fan. You go from <laughs> O-lineman to fan. There is no transition. You don't go to all of a sudden to play defense. That that does not happen. So that's the transition aspect of of what you do as an offensive lineman. So the, the bottom line is we're the worst athletes on the football field. <laughs> that's, that's the way it works. And, you know, prote- so protection comes down to coaching. How well do you coach? So if I drop back 35 times in a game and you don't protect me, you don't allow me to take the passive out of pass protection – I'm going to get my ass kicked. But all of a sudden you say, hey, man, we're going to throw, you know, a couple of smoke screens. We're going to have five three-step drops. And now we're going to run a five-step play action, you know, that's that's off of zero hitches. So you can upkick that. And all of a sudden now I've taken that 35 plays and I've, I've diminished it down to 12 times where I have to hold up. Now all of a sudden I have a chance to have success. Coaching in this league sometimes sucks because guys hey. just say, hey, we want to throw it on every down. And we're going to throw, you hold know, five on. steps with two Stick. inches. 
Stink, Pete Carroll actually came out and said that, though. Pete Carroll came out and said that there was philosophical differences between he and Shoddy, and Shoddy was the let Russ cook thing, so I wonder if Russ's team potentially was like, oh, so Pete Carroll has philosophical differences with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson then has philosophical differences with how they protected it, but doesn't it seem like Pete Carroll wants to almost start doing that more with the offense, so there isn't as much expectation on him dropping back into pass in the offensive line having to hold on well i've talked to pete carroll on several different occasions during doing games and saying you know we want to get back to 90s football we want to run it we want to control the line of scrimmage we want to throw play action we want to protect russell wilson because he's such an asset you know one of the things i said in the first broadcast of the season i did atlanta seattle and one of the things i said in the first broadcast was forget about let russ cook you know like let russ simmer Hey, you can get a great meal in a crock pot. He let it simmer all day long, right? And there's no chance, no chance of burning that shit, right? I mean, that that to me is what you got to be able to do. Let let him simmer a little bit and make sure at the end of the year we don't have some epic, you know, offensive fall off for crying out loud. Hey, have you ever been a part of a game like when I watched the Super Bowl? I think Pat said a similar thing. Like I felt like, all right, the Chiefs are going to turn it on eventually. Like the things can't continue this way. Like. What do you think, like, what snaps a team out of it? Like, an offense like that, is it one big play? And, and did you think the Chiefs were going to snap out of it? Yeah, you know, I kept waiting for them to make a big play. Um, and, and like I said, man, I just thought Tampa was so on point with stretching the defense, uh, getting into passing lanes, understanding, you know, by formation and by motion what the Chiefs were running. Uh, I thought Todd Bowles, uh, the defense coordinator, did a phenomenal job. Like, I've always felt like, from the rhythm of an offense. So as an offensive player, it is hard when you're out of rhythm as an offense to throw yourself back into rhythm. Because to me, there's no, there's just no physicality to it. Like you're just sitting back taking the beating. And to me, it was always one of those things when we weren't good offensively or we weren't in sync offensively, we were going to line up and just try to thunder punch you in the mouth. Mm. And and essentially, right because you mouth. know this as well as I do, AJ, I can give up or you can give up as a defense a 70-yard bomb over the top. And it's it you know, it's it's bad. You hate it, but you know, it is what it is. If if you get a drive where we are just pounding you six yards of crack and you know it's coming and we know we're running it and you can't stop them. That is demoralizing to a defense. And to me, that's when you make a defense start, you know, nosing, eating on every, you know, biting on every single play action. And that's when you get those big one-on-one plays over the top. So I just I just believe you get yourself back into a rhythm by lining up in two tights, by putting a fullback in the game and saying, all right, you want to, you know, we'll, we'll match you physicality for physicality and see what happens. Put the Shermanator in there, good. That's like the... Um... So I played soccer growing up, obviously. Uh, yeah. Pretty good, you know. Pretty good, Mark. Pretty good at the game. Uh, but there'd be days where you have like a like bad touch or something, or you're not you're not passing the ball as well. But you can give effort, right? You can give full right. effort. Like you can still give effort even if you're having. I feel like when it comes to offense, where you're just talking about running the ball is much more like, hey, maybe our timing's off today for whatever our reason. Maybe something's not happening. This is like a this is ground and pound. This is effort football, and then maybe that sparks something. I do believe there's something to that in a lot of things. Let's get back to the basics here, and that's kind of what running the ball is. Right. I mean, I think that I think there is obviously there's a lot of truth to that. The other thing is make people get involved. Like to me, make people get involved in in playing football, 
as opposed to we always used to say the guys inside, you know, the front seven, the offense, well, that's that's playing in the concrete. Those guys that play receiver and, and out there uh, playing quarterback, those guys play in the water. Make them get involved in the concrete a little bit. Ooh. You know, make a corner, make a couple of tackles. See if you can scramble his brains and then go deep on his butt. You know? <laughs> those, those are the things that we always used to talk about. So um, I just I believe in that style of football, and I think that style of football still in this day and age of football still wins. It's cyclical. I feel like AJ, go ahead. Oh, I'm just curious about John uh, John Elway. Do you know like what's his new title? What's he going to be doing differently in Denver? Um, I, I, you know, he is, I think essentially is a consultant. I, I just think he's stepping away from the day to day grind that is, you know, trying to be a general manager and studying the draft and doing all those things. So he's involved in big decisions, but, uh, I think that he has, uh, just stepped away from the day to day grind and George Payton has taken over that, uh, that aspect. And, and frankly, you know, it's time. I mean, it, it just hasn't, um, this roster is not good enough. It has not. It has not worked out, uh, especially in the last four or five years um, with with the Denver Broncos. So you know, I think it's. I think it's one of those things. You step away and say, "Hey, man, I need a fresh set of eyes." It's like a play caller that relinquishes play calling duties in the middle of a game and said, "Man, I need a fresh. My what I'm calling is not working. Give me a fresh set of eyes." And I've been in that situation. I was in a game in Seattle where Mike Shanahan turned over the clipboard to Gary Kubiak and go, "What I'm calling is not working." You take over. That's a humbling moment there, obviously. Yeah. They made it sound like he got a promotion, though, too, through the whole thing, which is kind of nice. I mean, John Elway won a Super Bowl, though, as an executive. I think he had a hell yeah. of a run. Enjoy his life now, hopefully. Go, go enjoy life a little bit, John Elway. Sure. I mean, he's the Duke. He deserves that, right? I mean, he is the Duke of Denver. So, for yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He has car dealerships over there still. Can you go get a car from John Elway? Um, well, me, no, because, you know, I, 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 I probably, I'm too honest on the radio here locally. In Denver, so <laughs> oh. you, you could get a deal. Me, not so much. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Stank, you just mentioned uh, scrambled brains, but Brett Favre is actually coming out with a nasal spray to cure CTE. Uh, is that something you're buying or no? How come you didn't help with that project either? What the hell? Well, I mean, I you know, I am one of those guys that believes uh, there's so much faulty research in, in all that. I mean, some of the some of the smartest and, and greatest men I know played a long time in the National Football League that I have nothing but the utmost respect for. And and you know, when you're researching something and you don't take into account uh, opiate addictions and alcohol and, and drug addiction and all the other things that go into um, that depression, um, if you put your like one of the things I've always said, it was easy for me to walk away from football because my identity was not being a football player. My identity was being a husband and being a father and being a you know a disciple of Christ. And so I, I looked at those things and like, OK, new, new adventure to me. It, it, I don't care what you do for a living. If you tie in who you are with what you do, when that gets taken away from you, you're going to have you're going to have struggles because it's identity crisis. We're all going to get pink sit, slipped or outsourced or fired or whatever the case may be. And and I never identified as a football player, man. I'm like, I was, I, you know, I played football and I tried to be as good as I could at it. But, it, you know, I was far more. I was I, I far more identified with being a little league coach than I did being a football player. 
Well, I hope that team was good. You know, I hope you guys are throwing middle finger fastballs. Well, we whipped out there. ass and took names. Now, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm and talking I about. A, and I had, and I'm a, I'm a dick, but I had a sign to hit a kid. Like, you know, we, there's no question. I will throw at a kid. Yeah, okay. You got to do what you got to do. You got to win a game. You got to move on. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Hey, hey, you got to yeah. do what you got to do. Hey, quick question though, because listening to you talk about that. It sounded like that was a, um, you know, a, a passionate subject of yours. Did you almost, because you're offensive lineman for a long time, back in the football era that gets discussed a lot, do you almost take it as like a personal shot almost when people are like, well, football, CT, concussions, brain dead, like that type of, like it almost felt like that. And I've never thought about that from a OG football player's mindset about all basically the narrative around the conversation. Now, I, I think – Brain trauma is a real thing. I think studies, okay, I appreciate that. But I've never thought about it from the standpoint of a player that's like, hey, we're not all – can we talk about this in a different way, you know? Right. Well, I just I just think that there's a lot of research that has been done that comes from um, the narrative of everybody has got – you know, everybody is in trouble. And, you know, I, I think there's enough inside the human brain – and. You know, I've spoke to a lot of different doctors about this. In, inside the human brain, there's enough plasticity and enough connectivity um, mm. to circumvent some of the issues that you do. Do, do you injure yourself? Yes. Are we uh, are we recuperative? Absolutely. Mm. And and so that I just I just believe that you know if you're healthy, if you're exercising, if you don't abuse alcohol, if you don't abuse drugs. Um, you know, if your identity isn't in a football play, being a football player and you don't fall into depression and those things, then I think you have enough, like I said, plasticity and connectivity to overcome some of those things. And I don't think it's ever gets researched like that. I think it, it's it's automatically, you know, you play football. Once you're done playing football, CTE and the trauma of, of, of playing football, you turn into a monster and murder your family. That That's not how it works for 99.9% of us. So I, I just I, I just am offended by the the lack of fair and balanced research, in my opinion, of the way CTE is studied. Well, and that affects, by the way, not only your life, your family's life, whenever they're talking. Like, I watched that movie, and one of my best friends, A.Q. Shipley, right, he is... He's depicted in that movie, basically, yeah. it, it, like his position that he was. He was a wedge for a while on the kickoff return. He was a mm-hmm. fullback whenever he was just playing in Arizona. At one point, he's a center. The amount in and, and I told him, I was like, hey, man, I love you. I just want to let you know. That. He was <laughs> like, what are you doing right now? I was like, ah, I just watched concussion. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch it, he said, or whatever. And then but that's a real thing that I assume. Family members of NFL players, after learning and hearing that, they're like, okay, especially the older guys. And I, you obviously look young and take care of yourself, but it is like talked about as that era of football almost. And before you too, well, but that whole conversation piece, you know? Well, I just think there's a lot more that goes into it that hasn't been looked at. So that that's all I'm saying. It, it bothers me. And like I said, some of the greatest men I know, um, you know, some of the best fathers and husbands I've ever been around played professional football. And so, you know, I don't I don't want to discredit uh, the work they've done and, and what they've been able to do, you know, in their lives. And, and they've overcome it or, or overcome that. And they have, you know, they played for a lot of years. So I just want to be like I said, I just don't think there's a lot of fair and balanced uh, reporting or research that goes into that. So that's all I'm saying. Um, and, you know, I love those guys. And AQ is uh you know, AQ is one of the great guys. He's he's sharp as a tack, and he's built like a keg with legs. You know, he's like a little round keg. Hey, Super Bowl champion. Hey. 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 Super Bowl champion. Hey, talk about, hey. 
talk about a great signing, right? Oh. Yeah, B.A., you want me to come play for you? Yeah, I'll hang out, roll around a little bit. Yeah, I'm in. Oh. <laughs> Good work. Drew Stanton as well. Drew Stanton got mm-hmm. hired, I think, during the playoffs. Yeah. Because he knew the entire offense and everything like that. There was, there was a lot of people, you know, that I knew that were like, uh, how can I get down to Tampa right now with what they got going on? And by the way, that's not going to stop, Mark. That's going to continue with Tampa Bay for however long Tom wants to continue to do this thing. That there is no, there is no question. And I will, I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. The most amazing thing about Tom Brady is, um, to me, is that you're not sated by success. I think your human nature is like I, I've always said this. I've never learned anything about myself in the good times. Um, because I was too busy patting myself on the back. And the bad times is where I learned how tough I could be and, and what I could overcome and all those things. But the <laughs> fact that that guy has won seven championships, been to ten Super Bowls, and he is still as driven as he is. I mean, did you love it when he got in? Uh, I don't know what was said with him and Matthew, but the fact that oh, I yeah. think you know he went after Matthew, I just I love – he's 43. He's just, yeah, he's on a beeline to get in his face. I mean, that guy is, that guy is something. He is special. Well – so are you, Stink. We appreciate you this season. You were awesome. I hope we continue to talk with you through the off season. Anytime, my friend. AJ, uh, Pat, take care of yourselves, man. Always good. And, man, I didn't even want to bring up the shank, Pat. That was bad for the brand. The shank was bad for the brand. You know, hey, real quick, Stink, okay? Yeah. Suck up 52-yarder, Butker, 50-some-yarder, Pinion pinned him inside the 10 late whenever he had to to bury the game for Tampa. The only thing you want to bring up, huh? The only yeah, thing you want yeah. to talk about. Hey, it's like playing offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> One bad kick and you suck. Hey, that's real. <laughs> and you can't do that in that moment, obviously. No. That, that Your yeah. teammates. Hey, that's a big moment with your team. Like, for instance, as a punter, you only get a certain amount of situations that are big, right? For me, right. I only had... I had one in the Super Bowl backed up before half, just like that, punting to Reggie Bush. Wasn't a great punt. Wasn't a shank, though. Then there was one against Houston. We were up two, I believe, less than a minute left. We were on the three. We got a penalty. We're on the one-and-a-half-yard line. Have to punt that because field goal wins the game for them, right? So I hit an absolute bomb. There's only a couple of those. In your own end zone in the Super Bowl is one of those moments where it's like, hey, got to make a play here you know oh, and that's it's got it's got to feel like being third and 12 on the one and knowing that if it, it like knowing that i hold on every play anyhow and if i actually get <laughs> caught holding in the end zone it's a two-point safety like that you want to talk about butt pucker that is one of the, cause, cause i'm grabbing you regardless i mean that's just the way i play so yeah that it's got to feel a lot that that's got to be kind of the same right there well that's that's those moments where it's like all right need to make a play here and yeah. uh tommy's gonna have to live with that i think he'll get around hopefully or not to be some Somebody else, maybe, uh, but there'll never be another stink. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Schlereth. Thank you, stink. How about that? You know, just there, right there at the end. Mm-hmm. How about that punter, dude? How about the shanking? <laughs> now, now, like I said on Twitter, AJ, a lot of people were realizing the importance of the punting position. And on the flip side, punting position was taking quite a PR kick to the sack while it was all happening. <laughs> so I didn't really know how to feel about it. AJ, great to see you, pal. How are you? I'm doing well, but it was it was such a big part of the game. I think, yeah, people may they can point to that, and you know, it's like you're you're killing punters and kickers. But also at the same time, don't you think they're also it's opening their eyes to like, wow, you know, we really need to play well here on this unit. Oh, 
So on this one play that I've never paid attention to, that's kind of a calculated turnover or whatever, oh, there's a lot of pretty important shit that's potentially going to happen here. For instance, a block punt, which could happen on every single punt, by the way. Every single one's happening within two seconds. All, all you need is one person to slip or whatever. It's like 80% of the time you lose the game if you get a block punt mm-hmm. or whatever. Then like a uh, uh, field position, you, it, it's going to tell you basically who won the game. And it's just such... One little eight-second, nine-second play that can all go to fucking hell if you let it. Punt return, devastating, momentum-wise, team-wise, everything like that. And until you really like think about it in that fashion, whenever somebody potentially shanks one in a Super Bowl, you really don't realize you know, why it's normally the first meeting of the day in the first practice period every single time. Yeah, Jim Trestle says punt, the most important play in football. Every time he introduced it, like in our special teams, and he would run those meetings for punt, too. By the way, Pat McAfee, most exciting play in football, punt. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's what he said. I don't know about that. I mean, it is exciting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's going to drop it. No. (laughs) Fair catch. You know what I mean? There's there's normally a lot of, uh, you know, normally routine Right, it seems to be all routine, but there are so many tight assholes running around on that field that could potentially blow a game, and they don't even know what team they're on because they just made the team maybe a day or two ago. I mean, it is insanity, and uh, yeah, I mean, Tommy Tonson put a spotlight on that, and he's going to get he's going to get through it. Oh okay? yeah, Tommy's going to get through it. He's going to work on his holding. He's going to work on his punting. You think he'll be with the Chiefs? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that ball he dropped and then picked up, he hit a bomb. 56, yeah. yeah. Low hang, probably could have got brought back pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I dropped a snap one time. Oh, yeah, that's right. That juke guy. Mm-hmm. Punted it inside the 20. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Had to repunt it, though, because there was guys down the field because oh, okay. of the juking and running. Mm-hmm. Can't do that in the NFL. Can in college. That's why in college you see the rollout punt as opposed to in the NFL. You don't see it because nobody can go down the line. Had to do a repunt. Entire team was very tired because uh-huh. they just had to cover the punt that was bombed or whatever. Brian Brahman ran right through somebody and uh, wrapped his entire body around my knee like it was a uh, <laughs> like it was a cast or whatever on that next one. Still got a punt off. Nice. But almost broke my leg. <laughs> the rule should be, I mean, if you dribble it off the ground, they should be allowed to go downfield. Let's add it. Oh, like, because Aussie Rules football, you've got to do a uh, dribble every certain amount of steps. We should add that to the game. If you drop a snap and you can still get it off, should be able to let that thing ride. Tommy Townsend wouldn't have the shank. I wouldn't have an almost broken leg. Mm. Numerous other people that have to re-kick wouldn't have the thing. If the league is who they are and say they're worried about player safety, think about it, Raj. Are you? But don't you think uh, don't you think no. players would they would practice dropping the snap and then picking it up yeah. so everyone could release? Yeah. Hey, now what? Now it's what more exciting? Actually, what, you know what? Way more exciting. Hopefully, hopefully Dwayne Johnson is is watching this because XFL can <laughs> absolutely. Oh, he's the hardest worker in the room, dude. Yeah, he's got the song. Listens to everything. He's got his ear ear to the streets, dude. In the football world. Oh. By the way. How nice is this hoodie? You think Dwayne Johnson's going to make hoodies this mm, night? Hopefully. I hope so with how hard he's working. I don't know with this hoodie, though. This thing is really nice. Mm -hmm. Am I a Chargers fan? Maybe. It looks good. Maybe. How about the Chargers, AJ? GM on the show. Guy wears for the brand on Hard Knocks. 
got me into the NFL. Head coach comes on the show for like yep. 40 minutes. Herbert comes on the show. I mean, now they're sending me hoodies. Mm-hmm. Is this a recruiting process? Someone. It is working. It is working. Someone there is smart. They got some smart people working in the front office, PR, marketing, whoever it is. Because, yeah, why wouldn't they want to show their people like on your platform? You know it's going to be a fun interview. I think so, too. And, they, by the way, they have good – now, granted, the Rams kind of got in there early, had success early. Mm-hmm. But L.A., I do believe, is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately town, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. L.A. is the internet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they got Stafford now, so it's even more so, oh. what have you done for me oh. lately? Yeah, but Herbert, hey. Herbert, Absolutely. rookie of the year. Her- <laughs> Herbert is a guy, the Pepsi Zero Sugar rookie yeah, of the yeah. year. Uh-huh. He's might. a guy you can route. Now Stafford's going to sling it out. Exactly. <laughs> in that That's, division. There's going to be highlights. Mm-hmm. McVay's running the sideline in his khakis. Yeah. Stafford picking him up, pointing to the sky. Thank you! <laughs> you know? You're right. It's going to be tough, but they, they're playing chess close to Cillian right now. We That's got right. Justin Herbert. Yeah. We got a team. We'll send hoodies out. We'll start doing our thing. We got a Bosa. Give me Herbert. What's that? Give me Herbert. Over staff? Yeah. Wow. Okay, now that is an interesting question. It's not even be- close. Because I... I I'm not going to get into it because I've I've cemented my feet in the Stafford camp pretty heavily, but Herbert seems like he's going to be the uh, dude, a real dude out there. Well, what if they were the same age? Or, I think not. it's hard to stay. Well, can't That's can't do that. Point. Can't, can't do that. Can't do Situations that. are situational. Come on, AJ. Okay, so you're saying like uh, I what Stafford's 32? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Herbert's 22. Same great. amount of playoff wins. So are you saying like, hey, we want to? That's a shot, Diggs. I heard it. <laughs> so is that you're saying like, hey? Do you want somebody to win this year, or do you want your franchise QB? Like, what do you want? Well, it depends on how's the rest of my team look, AJ. I mean, if we're going to go down this fucking road, what are we going to do? Are we just going to do this whole thing? Sorry, I started it. I mean, <laughs> Herbert in a McVay offense. Holy Ooh. shit! I, I bet you, I bet you, McVay gave a call down to the Chargers. Saying, yeah. Hey, let's not even move houses. Let's just swap. Yep. Uh, what do you need? You can take our D coordinator. Allegedly, allegedly, the Lions said, all right, you want Matthew Stafford? We want Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine him trying to fucking ruin yeah. Aaron Donald's career. What are they trying to do up there? Yeah. There's no reason for that. I love that move. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a yeah. great move. Fucking give and now the Lions too. have set the market. They got so much for Matthew Stafford. None of these other quarterbacks can go anywhere. The f- Might be right. The, the Philadelphia Eagles going, hey, we got the next Matthew Stafford. We're going to need two ones, a future third. <laughs> There's no way that they can be living in reality over there. There's no way. And by the way, I got some Eagles fans that come after me every time I say it. It's not about Carson Wentz's ability. Even though that has been called into question in the last year with how everything has panned out. And will he be fixed? Hey, let's hope so. The contract that's coming alongside of him Mm -hmm. is so large. That's the Goff-Stafford thing. Stafford's contract was nothing compared to Goff's. In unloading Goff's contract, nobody thought was possible. Somehow, McVeigh and Les Snead down there in Mexico on vacation make it happen and just give away the, everything they got alongside the contract, which is what Carson Wentz already has. He already has the in tow, you know, the sidecar, the um, wagon attached to said Carson horse. Everything is a big one with a lot of fucking money that you have to bring in and eat away from the rest of your roster. What you have to ask, though, like they got to ask, they got to say, hey, this is what it's going to take if you want Carson Wentz. They know they're not going to get it, but hey, they got to hopefully fall somewhere in between that. 
Yeah, but they're also well. I don't know. I don't know. How do you sell a first round draft pick for a guy that you benched for half the season? You benched him yourself. You said he stunk. And by the way, you played uh, Nate Sudfield. Sudfield. Yeah. You can just I almost called him Suffolk. <laughs> I forgot. We might be working for Suffolk Financial. Good couple <laughs> months here. Good county. That is a county in Virginia, it's right? Good county. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Suffolk County. Couldn't you say that was the old regime, though? They're like, hey, yeah. what do you, you guys didn't, you guys benched him. I mean, like, no, that was Peterson. That's not us. We, we fired him for that. Was no, actually, <laughs> funny you say that. We wanted him to bench him, like, first week. <laughs> so. Half the season's wrong, actually. We wanted the whole season with Jalen Hurts, but now it's an old – I mean, Doug Peterson allegedly wanted Jalen. They don't – then they do this. What, what's going on? How do these people get these situations? That's, uh, that's the thing. Unfortunately, uh, DeForest Buckner did confirm that Carson will be a Colt next yeah, year. Yep. Congratulations. Hey, listen. Quick, quick. And with the way that locker room sounds, I'm pumped for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to adapt well. Frank's going to fix him. Colts are going to be really good. Look out, AFC. Especially if Russell Wilson potentially goes down there to Miami. Look Ooh. out, AFC. What if it's a two-year fix? They go 7-9 and nine next year. Frank gets shit-canned. You're stuck with Carson, and no one can fix him. Oh, my God. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. We appreciate the hell out of you. We'll be back with another Wednesday. Hey, another Wednesday show coming. Yeah, good one tomorrow. Everybody says Tuesday's a good day of the show. Wait till you see fucking Wednesday, dude. Mm. This has been the Pat McAfee Show 2.0 with myself, AJ, and all the boys. We can't thank you enough. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful, incredible Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Be a friend, tell a friend. Cheers.